The answer lies in the heart of battle. And Hawaii's number one podcast, the Casanova Podcast. This is Kyle Hebert, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter. Hadouken! Welcome everyone to another episode of Hawaii's number one podcast, the Casanova Podcast. I am your host, Mikhail Casanova, coming at you with another interview. And in today's, I'm going to have the honor of having the one, the only, Thomas McCall of 13AM Games. And he is the CFO and the lead designer for 13AM Games. So you guys would be familiar with this company with games such as Runbow, Pirate Pop Plus, and the most recent and phenomenal game, Double Cross. Now, if you haven't played Double Cross, I highly, highly recommend you go and pick it up. It's currently on sale on the Switch for about 15 bucks um, for a limited time as well. But uh, definitely go and pick this up. This game, it has so much going for it. If you love brawlers, if you love old school side-scrolling action, adventure, Metroidvania type of games that take it to a new plateau, then this is exactly what you need to play. So with that being said, if you guys are ready to do it, I'm ready to do it. Let's go ahead and welcome Tom onto the show. Welcome everyone to another episode of Hawaii's number one podcast, the Casanova Podcast. I'm your host, Mikhail Casanova, and I have the honor and the true privilege of having the one and only Tom McCall of 13 AM Games. It's just, my mind is blown right now (laughs) that I have you on the show, but Tom, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, hi everyone. As I mean, as Mikhail mentioned, uh, I do design, lead lead the design team at 13 AM Games, and I... Um, yeah, that's actually pretty much it. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that second part. Oh man, it's it's uh, it's truly an honor to have you on. Like this, thank this you is, so much. This is amazing, and you know, I I love your games. I love Runbow and Double Cross. You know, I, I know we're gonna get into that later on in the podcast, mm-hmm. but I, I I have been saying to a lot of people and on social media uh, that is in my top ten of 2019. That game is. Uh. It's. I got hooked, and I was live streaming it. And I was hooked. I didn't want to play it down, <laughs> but <laughs> the, game, awesome. the game is definitely amazing. But um, yeah, tell, thank you so much. Uh, tell it. Tell us. Uh, you know about the company. You know where can people find you guys? Like uh, your social media links and everything. Um, I think we're on Twitter and Facebook at uh, Thirteen AM Games. There's also our website, which is Thirteen AM Games dot com. Uh, where you can find a whole bunch of info about Rumbo or Double Cross, where to find it, um, and all that good stuff. It's Rumbo's pretty much on everything at this point that I can think of, except maybe PS Vita, um, or definitely not PS Vita. Sorry, I don't know why I'm saying maybe. And uh, <laughs> Double Cross is out on Switch and PC, and it came out this week on the tenth. Yeah, it was literally what three days ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been crazy. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, t- tell us about yourself, Tom. Like, what are some of your hobbies and interests or things that you like to do that you 
You know, let's let's peel back the the veil of mystique mm. and get to know you. Um, well, I'm a pretty easygoing guy. Um, besides, well, I, obviously, I play a lot of video games in my free time. Um, in terms of the studio, I tend to be the player, uh, tend to be the person that plays the most. I would say competitive games or like your AAA bigger uh, titles mm-hmm. compared to a lot of. There's a lot of. Uh, indie games that get played in the office mm-hmm. um, but I play things like Destiny 2 I'm, I'm pretty into right now things like League of Legends uh, I just booted up uh, or just purchased uh, what's it called Monster Hunter World which I'm excited to get into I used to play WoW forever um, basically or Starcraft at some point too so those kind of like any game where there's competition any game where I can play with my buddies mm-hmm. uh, who I usually play a lot with and then big MMOs are always a big fun uh, and besides that um, I currently am playing in two D&D campaigns, one which I am the Dungeon Master, and the second which uh, another member of the studio, Unai, is the Dungeon Master. Um, and we play that kind of like bi-weekly, I would say. Cool. cool. Yeah. And then, you know, standard stuff, friends and all that stuff, downtown Toronto, but those are like the two main things. What's uh, Toronto like? Uh, I-, I haven't had a chance to ever go there. Uh, I I mean I've heard it's really nice. My uh, I'm I'm originally from a place called Sudbury, mm-hmm. which is five hours north of Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a smaller like maybe 130,000 people or so. It's kind of like a big small town. Mm-hmm. Um, so Toronto for me was like it's like a big city kind of thing. I I'm I'm warming up to it. it took me a bit. Um, there are certain things about living like in a in a downtown core that is very different than what I used to like almost like rural so to speak mm-hmm. so like a lot of the outdoor activities are just being able to get away from people I miss but uh, being able to walk anywhere and like just being in the center of things down here in Toronto is really awesome like there's always something to do if, you, if you're inclined so that's nice oh okay cool, cool. yeah you know because I, I was going to say like for our viewers and, and <clears throat> listeners that are out here in Hawaii I mean we only know three weather types is hot hot water <laughs> so oh. like anything else uh we, you know, we 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 kind of we're always interested in, in what the weather is like because, mm. uh, I mean, the weather here is just it can be bizarre at times. It can be pouring rain and the sun is out and there's no clouds and you're like, how? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like what the heck? Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Toronto, Toronto. In terms of like weather, is uh, it's not so bad. I mean, obviously Canada has a reputation for you know winter and snow, but there's actually not a ton of snow in Toronto since I've been here. It usually doesn't start till you're a bit farther north. Mm-hmm. But it gets cold. Like it was like minus twenty degrees Celsius today, which I someone can do the conversion on that for me. But it, it was chilly. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, and um, you know, so I know you say you, you like to play games like uh, mm-hmm. Monster Hunter World. Like, are you playing that on PC, PS4, or PC, PC? Okay. Yeah, um, I do predominantly play on PC. I, I mean. It's going to sound strange as someone that develops games for Switch and a lot of Nintendo platforms. Like, I just got a Switch for Christmas. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> I just crushed through Breath of the Wild, like, over the holidays. And uh, I'm looking to get... I'm probably going to pick up Celeste next because it keeps getting recommended. Um, but yeah, I do... Most of my gaming is on PC. Nice, nice. Actually, since you uh, mentioned Breath of the Wild, that's actually... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to have couple people a couple of voice actors from that Ooh. game on here uh the voice of uh Rivali, zelda um and uh, i think two or three other main characters i'll have on the show eventually within the next awesome. week so that's that's gonna be pretty 
pretty cool. But yeah, like uh, Breath of the Wild, that that game, like I feel like that game absorbs you into it once mm-hmm. once it gets its claws. Like yeah, it's and it's, so, it's just uh, like I mean, as, as someone that like designs and stuff like that, it's just they do such a such a good job with making sure that every little piece of that world and every little thing is like it's just polished to like perfection and it all matters mm-hmm. like it's this weird like every system kind of folds into itself really really nicely like it doesn't matter what you're doing but you're always there's always progression happening and it might be like in different ways that you're not expecting but like everything you do is useful even if it's not the most useful thing you can be doing at the time yeah it's just really nice how everything's so integrated in but also so free at the same time it's it's they did a really good job with all that yeah and it's it's really amazing how like i know a lot of people uh back when i was reviewing it a lot of people were complaining that oh this there's not a whole lot of story and i'm thinking this takes me back to the original zelda and mm-hmm. even uh link to the past where the narrative was more in the exploration than yeah. the you know anything else and i think Maybe that's something that's lost on a lot of the newer generation because they're growing up with narrative-focused games, but right. the exploration, the freedom to do whatever you want to do and explore mm-hmm. how you want, like there's literally, the limit is your imagination and your right. stamina for climbing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's kind of like it wouldn't, to me at least, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to have a heavy emphasis on narrative if if the important thing in that game is like kind of non-linear, like the fact that you can go and do whatever you want in whatever order at any time, mm-hmm. it kind of like makes that really hard to write a narrative that makes a lot of sense. Like games that have very strong narratives, like, you know, last of us or Witcher three or, um, <clears throat> what's the other one I'm forgetting? Uh, uncharted. Yeah. Like games like that where, Oh, and God of War. Like, they all typically have, like, a pretty strong narrative. But that's because they string you from A to B to C to D. You know, it's just, like, you go through what they want you to do. Witcher, kind of less so. Witcher's a bunch of little mini instances of that. Um, but, yeah, I think I think Breath of the Wild sacrificed some of that narrative stuff to just give you the freedom to be like, oh, you're, like, you just got out of the plateau. You want to go fight Ganon? I mean, you can. <laughs> like, if you really want to, go ahead. Uh, and it's like the the power ups, just the power ups, and the things you can do with uh, the the hieroglyph thing that you have. It's it's just mm. oh, that game was. It, it's funny. Okay, so here's a quick story. Like my wife and I actually got married uh, the day it came out. That was our wedding day. Oh, so wow. uh, our honeymoon, we actually spent two <laughs> or three weeks both just playing Breath oh, of the no. Wild. We're like, how far did you get? Did you discover this? Like the the game was just Oh, oh that's awesome. It, it was it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I keep I keep trying to get my fiance to play uh keep playing it with me cuz I, I mean, I think she'd like it. And the Switch makes it so easy to just be like, here, just try this. <laughs> yeah, it really does. It really yeah. really does. Um so what got you into gaming and becoming passionate mm-hmm. about gaming? Um, I mean, since I can remember, I've always 
just really enjoyed games, games in general, not just like video games, but I mean like card games or like uh, sports. Like when I was in high school, for example, I was on like all the sports teams and that was the big thing I did um, while also playing games every night. Mm. Um, Board games, card games, any, anything that has like competition or anything where you have to like think about it for a bit. Like I like that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So as a kid, I, I gravitated towards games. My parents kind of, tried to resist buying a console for as long as they could mm-hmm. uh but eventually they kind of conceded and i think my first console was actually just like a playstation one which is like i missed almost two generations of console um wow. so i don't i don't have that big retro log like a lot of other people i work with do mm-hmm. um and then from there uh i mean i just loved it played a bunch would play with all my friends and stuff like that and then as i grew up that didn't really go away played a lot of halo 2 was a big one for me uh got to like a very competitive (laughs) level of halo 2 where it was like meeting meeting up on game battles and like playing against people that i know ended up being in like the mlg tournaments and things like that Uh, you know i don't even think this generation understands how monumental halo 2 was back in the day oh no they don't appreciate it at all they're like (laughs) like esports is like no no back then it was like that was that was it there was like starcraft happening in korea and there was like halo here and that was it and then call (laughs) of duty eventually caught up but like there were a couple years where it was just halo 2 yeah it was great um and then you know started playing wow and things but i actually didn't pursue it as like a profession or like an idea of like i can do this for a living until um probably like midway through university Mm -hmm. so i actually my degree is in uh, civil engineering structural engineering um yeah so um (laughs) i was about was like second or third year where i had done a couple co-op placements and you know worked a couple jobs in the industry in, in the civil engineering industry and i was like ah like this is like i can do it but it's not really for me. Like, there's, I'm not clicking with it for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, in all fairness, I probably didn't give it too much of a chance. But um, in one of my last co-op placements, I got a job at a indie studio here in Toronto that was doing mobile games, mm-hmm. and I got a job doing QA testing. Uh, and so that f- four months there, I was doing that kind of thing, and it was just like the atmosphere in the studio and like the people I was working with. Like, mm-hmm. it was nice to be able to go into an office and be like, "Oh, did you guys, you, know, you see like Diablo 3's stupid release?" Or like, you know, go and talk <laughs> about those things because that was about the time. Um, and uh, it was just like way different than talking to like you know forty, fifty year olds about their son's hockey game. Like, it was just a different environment entirely that I really loved. So once I graduated. Um, from that program, I was looking around for like, oh, maybe I can go like spend a year, just go go do a college program for game design and just see how it goes. Because you know, like now is the time to do anything. If I don't do it now, it's going to be way harder to do when you're like three years into a job. Yeah. So, kind of bit the bullet on that. Did that. Uh, ended up at George Brown, which is where uh, I met the, basically all the guys I work with now. Uh, and then that that's basically the story of that. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. an interesting one. <laughs> it's a bit of a leap when people are like, "Oh, like you have a civil engineer?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." They're like, "Oh, what do you do now?" I'm like, oh, "I make video games." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> it's it, it, it's so funny. Like um, the, cause I, I'm I'm assuming we're we're around the same age. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I just turned thirty, but um, hey, you're about a year above me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cl- close enough. Cl- close yeah. enough proximity. But. <laughs> Um, you know, my, my, uh, my nieces and nephews, they're, they're in their early, early twenties or, or late teens. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, they will talk to me and they'll be like, oh, you know, uncle, like I, I'm interested in, 
and doing this, but I feel like I need to go to college for this. And I, I keep telling them like, Hey, you never know. Like it's good. You have something on, you know, a skill set or something on paper, but mm. you never really know, uh, what's going to happen, you know, in a year from now, two years from now, three years mm-hmm. from now, it's, it's really hard to plot out everything. Like I have a degree in communications marketing mm-hmm. and I work as a systems analyst for a hospital. I do the telephony, the the servers and all that. And and I, I tell them that I'm like, you know, I do that for a career. And I also do journalism and reviewing games for companies as a Mm -hmm. passion. I'm like, but I never went to school for it. So it's, it's good having a degree, but you just never know. I mean, you Mm kind of take life as it comes. Yeah. Like there are, I mean, my my pool of experience might be a little different because I know that uh, well at least the people I hung out with in university like pretty much all of them are doing civil engineering now, mm-hmm. which is good because it means that they did the right thing at the time. But <laughs> I mean, uh, I know I know a ton of people that took something and, and migrate to something else or you know you because know, realistically like at the end of high school you you're still you're still becoming who you're going to be and you have no idea what you're actually going to end up wanting to do or what jobs are actually going to be a thing by the time you're, you know, that four or five year time between like starting a university program and finishing it. Like it's just whatever. And it's less, it's always less about, unless there's like super hard technical skills like computer sciences or like math, for example, like those are, you should probably go and do that if that's what you want to do. But most of the things it's like you learn the soft skills tend to be more important or just the ability to like teach yourself stuff seems to be more important than any of the things that you learn in university themselves. Yeah, definitely. Or who you meet. That's also true. 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 (laughs) That's a big one. (laughs) You guys should definitely open like a studio out here in Hawaii. Like I think the last video game studio we ever had out here, uh, was actually, uh, Square Enix up until I want to, say was it the earlier mid 2000s is when they actually relocated their studios either i think there's a uh, one in uh la mm. or in california in general but yeah it actually used to be in the same building where um where i work like right. on the, the 29th floor it used to be square enix there and it's like holy crap and hmm. I know um, uh, Hironobu Sakaguchi, uh, Final Fantasy fame, he actually lives out here on the west, well, not on the west side, on the east side, in Huaikai area, and the guy right. who created Tetris is out here, too, and I'm like, that's awesome, you guys should open a studio, because there's a lot of people in Hawaii that are really interested in video game design, but right. they're, it's the how to mm-hmm. get into it, or how to start is the part where it's like, a lot of a lot of us out here were like we don't we don't know how, so it's it's tricky. It's <laughs> it's it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, yeah, and like to start a studio, like you just one of the things that I think a lot of people looking from the outside in wouldn't appreciate is like the amount of varied disciplines you need to make a game. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just game design. It's game design. It's programming. It is visual arts. It is graphic design. It is audio design. It's audio itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, narrative, like storytelling, um, business, like you need business people as well. You need people that are going to go out and do networking that are going to go and look for deals and whatnot. Because at the beginning of the studio, mm-hmm. if you're just planning on releasing something and making a hit, it's like, well, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not a, it's just a, a risky thing to do. You can try it. 
but uh, like there's just so many different facets that you would need or so many key personnel that need to know what they're doing in order for it to really work. Um, that always seems like the, the biggest hurdle looking back is like how lucky we were to kind of just have those people <laughs> at, at the start of all this. Um, but yeah, no, living in Hawaii would sound, sounds much better than, you know, looking outside right now into the gray cold that is Toronto. I mean, Hawaii sounds lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you would definitely love it out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, we got three weathers, hot, hot, and hotter, but uh, sometimes it gets less hot, you know, around the 75 to 78 degree range. But typically it stays like, I want to say like 83 to 84 um, on average, but then you got the humidity that can make it feel like it's over 100 degrees. Fahrenheit to normal units to Fahrenheit? Okay, yeah. Okay, I get what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do the conversion because... I never know Fahrenheit. Oh, yeah. Okay, 30. Yeah, that's warm. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, let's see. That's one of the buses that comes by. I can edit mm. that out. No, never mind. <laughs> but, um, definitely, man. Like, uh, especially, like, depending on the type of food you like, you like, like, we have just about everything out here, especially the area around, uh, Waikiki and, uh, University of Hawaii. It's just so much. If you like, ramen there's this place called agu ramen I, I i swear i tell everybody that i have on my show about this place it's called agu ramen for uh about 15 to 20 bucks you'll get a whole like platter of everything like you got uh spicy mm-hmm. spicy ramen you'll get uh chicken kotori you'll get gyoza and it's just it's so so good and it's like a little hole in the wall and a lot of people make me hungry i know <laughs> like if you ever if you ever come out here uh especially if you come out to oahu definitely mm-hmm. definitely you have to go there it is so so good i'll remember that <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah like uh see i could i could I can rant about food. <laughs> I'm such a foodie. There's so, especially like my condo is in the middle of everything. If I want pizza, there's a pizza spot. Uh-huh. There's there's subs. There's uh, wings. There's uh, local Hawaiian food, Korean food, Japanese food. There's just everything in a two mile radius of where I live. <laughs> so, yeah, a, that's the one thing I love about being in Toronto. It's the same thing. It's like Thai food, Indian food, Italian. It's like whatever you want. It's it's somewhere around here. <laughs> that's always great. Uh, oh, so, now I'm really hungry. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, man. Um, so, like, uh, so, you know, I know we spoke a little bit earlier about, uh, you were uh, informing us about, like, the process of making games, but can you go a little bit more into that? Like, what is the process? Like, the steps that are to be taken, like, when you're coming up with the idea and then all the way to the process of creating it. Like, what mm. what all goes into it? Um, I mean, it varies from studio to studio. There's a lot of different uh, ways to go about it. What we do, uh, and this also changes, like, how we did Double Cross changed was drastically different than what we did for Rumbo. Mm-hmm. And what we're working on now is going to be drastically different than both because, you know, we're learning going forward. But excuse me um usually obviously you start with someone has an idea or or a concept um what we do is we typically set out some constraints if if we know any of any like for instance oh we we know it once we it has to be a switch game um Mm. and 
we know that, like, for instance, our studio typically is stronger in, like, 2D stuff than 3D because that's our, where our skill set lies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, we kind of list out a bit of these constraints, and then we say, like, all right, everybody go, like, brainstorm some ideas or what have you. Um, and you can play within these constraints or not. Like, it's up to you, like, whatever you think is best. And so give some time for that. People come back. We pitch the ideas to each other, talk about them a lot, and eventually try to kind of, like, come to an agreement on something that we should start working on. Um, and when that starts, uh, depending on kind of the scope of that, we usually try to get to, uh, like a gameplay product, like, like what we call them, like a white box, which just basically means bare bones. Um, you have a character, you have whatever the core mechanic is working at whatever kind of like early stages you can get it working at. Uh, and you basically just play through that, see if there's something there, like if it's actually fun and if everyone kind of gives a thumbs up or like agrees to it you either continue on or like you make adjustments um and then the basic cycle is you try to set um goals for what we call like iteration loops um so the first would be like say i'll I'll pull an example because it's kind of tough to talk about everything because each one has a its own little thing Mm -hmm. but i'll talk about levels because like that's predominantly what i do okay um so start out with well, what are the levels like? What's the main mechanic, and how could what what kind of mechanics could we have in the levels? And you kind of what, what complement them, or or how could the core mechanic be elevated or <clears throat> amplified by le- level mechanics, and what would they be? So you kind of brainstorm a bunch of level mechanics, start grouping them together to things that kind of work together. Um, while this is happening, like narrative team and the art team are talking about where the setting is and whatnot. So you're constantly talking to them to figure it out, and then eventually you kind of get the shell of what a level could be. Like, okay. for instance, with, with, uh, I mean, with Double Cross, it's trickier because it didn't start out clean. It was kind of changed very differently from what it started out to what it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, we decided, oh, like, Gootopia is going to be a, a universe, right? We, we, re- we have a couple of interesting ideas that involve something that could be skinned like a goo or, mm-hmm. or a slime or something. Um, so let's, let's do that. Let's zone in on that. Let's make that a thing. And let's group these level mechanics together let's start working on them and then once you have like the core or like a basic thing working and, and playable you start kind of like on, we usually do it on paper first you draw out like basically the blueprints of a level mm-hmm. um, beats and things like that for instance like you've played a bit of Double Cross uh, oh I love it or, or a lot of it <laughs> um, but the Gutopia level Slimy Mire mm. that was kind of like the first uh, I, it's not was not the first Caravan was technically the or uh, Bone Crackle Canyon was mm-hmm. technically the first level that we made, but that got overhauled like six times. Um, oh wow! Slimy Mire was the first one that kind of like from conception to completion kind of followed this roadmap the most clean, cleanly, the most cleanly. Uh-huh. Um, but basically, it started out like I, I drew a paper diagram of like you're going to be above the ground here, then you're going to go underground here, and you're going to be above the ground here, then you're going to be in the canopy here, and then you're going to be below the ground here, and that, 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 like basically a roadmap, uh, spacing of checkpoints, kind of like how the core mechanics would start building on each other. Like, when do we introduce acid? When do we introduce the absorbing... Um, I think we call it absorbing goo? It was called something else. I'm trying to remember what we call everything in the final game, because while we're in development, everything has different names, because you don't know what everything is. Uh, so like, I think it's uh, the absorbing goo. Yeah, absorbing yeah. goo. Um, so we used to call that swallowing slime, 
because it would like envelop the player and there was actually mechanics that would like carry the player away and do other fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and the level's just called Swamp. So whenever I say Swamp, I mean Slime and Mire because we just called it Swamp. Okay. Um, and so you kind of lay out the beats of the level while the programmers are making the, uh, the mechanics. Once they're done, you start laying it out with all your different tools, like in the level editor, and then you just start playing it, playing it, playing it, playing it, playing it. Um, you get enemies in, and you just keep playing it. And um, basically, you set a time that you're going to work on it and try to get like a, a new pass done. So you get like first pass, which has no art in it, no enemies. It's just to see how long something would take if you could just run through it and with with the core mechanics and are they working and then that's done cool check mark now you start adding in some basic art you add in some enemies and you do the same thing okay cool check mark next loop is a little more polished add a couple more mechanics tweak all the things that are not working or add things that people are suggesting and and kind of does that until eventually you end up with with a fully arted fully designed fully tested kind of level mm-hmm. and then you bring it to QA to like see if you can break it more than you already have been so it's quite a process and then like it's hard to put it all into words because obviously there's like different things happen at different times and you may not work on that level in one chunk and your team may be bouncing between six different things and it's like, oh, that's done? Okay, this means that this week I'm going to go work on that because I, I'm blocked on this other level I was working on. So mm-hmm. it's it's a bit of a process. <laughs> oh, wow. That, yeah. That's – and see, and, and I think a lot of people, a lot of the fans – probably don't understand that process and and this is really informative i'm really grateful that you're sharing this with us (laughs) i'm i'm trying it's it's tricky because like the way i'm saying it i feel like maybe i'm coming off as like a little confusing and rambling but it's even worse while you're doing it (laughs) (laughs) it's even less it's like building the ship as you fly and obviously i mean we're still a pretty new studio we only have two titles out so i think like other studios or, or people that have more experience in the industry they've got this i hope I, I would imagine that they have the system ironed out a little bit better, and I mean we're getting better at it too. Like the the stuff we're doing now, or, and some of the other projects that we're working on for the future, mm-hmm. seem to be a little more like ah, we get it now. Now we know how to kind of work this out. Well, I mean, you guys have put out you know what's considered a cult classic with Limbo, <laughs> and I, I'm more than certain that Double Cross is going to be up there with that because this oh, oh. it's it's really amazing you guys are really good with with what you do like i i for you know for a, a newer studio you guys are really amazing like that that's you know and, and that it, it makes me want to ask like you know tell us a, little, a bit more about 13 13 a.m games and like how it came to be like how did you guys create it um, so as, as I was mentioning, um, back when I was explaining kind of how I got into games, mm-hmm. uh, we all met at George Brown's postgrad game design program. Mm-hmm. That was where the, um, 10 founders of the company or nine, nine founders of the company, whoops, nine founders of the company all <laughs> met originally. Um, I mean, the class was about 13 people, but nine of us moved on to start the company. Mm-hmm. And I mean... The TLDR, like the short version, which is still going to be pretty long, is we signed up to do a game jam, which is you make a game in 48 hours at like a like the college will host it or some some. 48 uh, hours. Yeah, so you come in on the weekend, like it's like starts and starts on Friday and ends Sunday after like Sunday noon, wow. usually, and you just work on trying to make something 
like playable basically something fun something playable and people come and they work for like all hours of the day they stay up all late and like you know it becomes like a bit of a like i don't know if you've ever been to like conventions or whatnot but like um or like esports tournaments or like just game tournaments in general but it kind of like there's a sense of community and people come and it's just a lot of fun um but we originally just made what would become runbo in that first 48 hours so the I think you can actually still go on and download if you go to like Global Game Jam 2000 mm-hmm. what was it 14 2014 mm-hmm. you can probably find uh, like an early exe of what Rumbo was after those 48 hours um, but like we made it it was mul- it was kind of local multiplayer so we had people coming around playing the game um, having a lot of fun with it and we kind of like after you know this was our first time kind of like creating something as a group and like showing it to people and we had pretty good feedback so we're like hey maybe we have something here so uh we spent a little more time polished it uh signed up for a student showcase here in toronto called level up Mm -hmm. where like a bunch of different colleges and programs come as student teams and they show off the games that they've been making and we brought it to that and there's um judging that goes on like there's a couple categories you can win like best art best tech best design blah 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 Mm -hmm. um and you know we brought rumbo and we ended up winning best design for it, which is like cool. Like it's, some of the judges are from like Ubisoft. Like it was like the first time that we were like, oh, well, dang, like we, we may actually know what we're doing a bit. Um, so we continued to work on the game in between school and on weekends and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, you know, kind of emboldened by these two things, uh, we sent it off to Nintendo. And we were able to do that because one of the people I work with, Alex, who's our CEO now, mm-hmm. uh, actually had. Um, a dev kit already because for his thesis project he already was like he was thinking like I'm going to put it on the Wii U I really want to put it on the Wii U Mm -hmm. so I'm going to go get the dev kit ahead of time so we had one already in the class that he had got and as a result we were able to put Rumbo onto Wii U pretty easily Um, and so we kind of just sent it to them we sent it to everybody but Nintendo responded saying like oh wow this looks really cool like what are you guys planning And, and blah 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 and we ended up talking to them and the they really liked the game they felt that it had like some nintendo-esque dna i guess you could say or like was something they could see in it Mm -hmm. um and they were just starting up their nindies program at the time as well which is very fortunate for us so uh for those that don't know the nindies is like nintendo indies Mm -hmm. um they're trying to basically get indie studios to make games for the wii u at the time and now the switch as it continues um because one of the criticisms at the time was that the Wii Wii U uh, didn't have a lot of third-party games, so they were trying to get in indies to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got on board with that program. They took us to some events. We had some more positive feedback. We uh, continued working on the game, and it, it was at this point where we were like, okay, we have something here. They're probably like a year or so from finishing the game. Um there's some government grants that we can get from Canada that really help out. Like there's uh, the Ontario creates is what it's called. Now it was called OMDC at the time. Mm-hmm. If you can, uh, 50, 50 match some, some monetary amounts, they, they just give you money. Uh, and then there's other ones like lending programs and whatnot. So we ended up writing a bunch of proposals for that, got the game funded, uh, graduated, continued working on the game and eventually launched in August, uh, 2015. Mm. And then from there, it just kind of becomes a, a whirlwind of game making, I guess. You know, Rumbo. Uh, Rumbo was a successful enough that it kept us going, uh, kept out the lights on and whatnot. Um, we punched out a whole bunch of different ports, um, 
eventually, you know, starting our second project, Double Cross, and finishing that, and now beginning our third one. So that's kind of like the, that. That's the long-winded, short version, I guess. Well, that's not even long-winded. That's informative. <laughs> like I, you know, and and I, I really appreciate you breaking things down like this because mm. this is stuff that I'm I'm curious about. Like I right. love learning the ins of that ins and outs of how things work. So. I greatly appreciate uh, you, you know, going into detail about that. It's not rambling. Stop saying it's rambling. <laughs> uh, it's just, uh, yeah. It's like looking back at it now. There were like you know how people say, uh, oh, like some things are just luck or whatnot, and mm-hmm. like you know, like there is merit to that. There's definitely some aspects of luck to it, but there's also a lot of like just saying yes to things and putting like opportunities. One thing that we really emphasized as this whole kind of situation was going on mm-hmm. was kind of like, uh, well, we were actually talking about it before the interview. Um, just, just asking, you know, yeah. just, just going and just putting it out there and see, cause like, if you don't ask the answer is always no, yeah. but if you do, like you might be surprised. So like Nintendo was a big surprise. We actually caught them at a good time. Um, and then, you know, we raised our hand, like we said, yep, we'll go to any, anything Nintendo wants us to do. We'll go and do <laughs> like whatever you're like, Oh, are you guys interested in this? Yes. Are you guys? In- yep. Yep. Put us in it too. So that's how we did like the demo, uh, the Nindies demo. Mm-hmm. That's how that came about. Uh, we ended up going to the NOA headquarters themselves mm-hmm. to do like a lunch and learn with the people, with the staff there, mm-hmm. uh, which is a program they wanted to start where it's like as you know, people that worked at NOA that may not be able to see some of the games that are coming out on the platform. It's like here, like you can come and just chill at lunch and we're going to bring the devs in and they'll talk about their game and, and whatnot and how it kind of got created. And, you know, it's just kind of this really interesting uh, opportunity. And then while we were there, like things like, you know, um, we actually have a little video with some of the staff members from NOA and like Reggie is it is in this like promotional video for Runbo at the time and it's just like those things don't happen unless you just put your hands up or get yourselves out there for things so Definitely. yeah that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a it was a bit of a whirlwind right it's just not like I can't uh, the reason I feel like I'm rambling is because I'm missing a whole bunch of details and other things that it's just it's just a blur I guess you could say like there's just things just happen and you're like okay this is happening now cool <laughs> you just gotta keep going with stuff <laughs> You know, that just means that, you know, we get you back on the show again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's the hope. Definitely, man, definitely. Like, and, and that's the other thing, too, I want to ask. Like, what is it like, um, you know, working with with Nintendo and other companies? Like, what what's the inside scoops of that? Uh, I mean, it's great. Nintendo is super supportive. Uh, they're pretty easy to reach most of the time. I mean, with the Switch coming out and being as successful as it has, it's not hard to predict that, like, they're now a bit more uh, what's it called like uh, ugh. the uh selective? The, like, yeah like not being selective but like they they have more people trying to get their attention so oh, like okay. a little bit like their responses are a little more bogged down than what they were at the Wii U but they're still great and they still get back to I just back my mic um they still get back to us really great and they're still very positive about the game and they still help us out with a bunch of stuff like they're uh, echoing our like for instance the double cross launch trailer they mm-hmm. posted it on their site like or on their YouTube, like they still help us out with a whole bunch of things. So they've been awesome to work with. And um, in general, I mean, the games industry, if you're doing the right things and you're taking yourself seriously and, and kind of will like trying to do uh, what other people would agree is like 
the right thing to do or like the proper way to do things, you get a lot of it's a lot of positive things. Like it's a lot of really helpful people just just trying to help each other out because um, they understand how how tough this industry can be to kind of stay in. Mm. I guess you could say or like how because um, it, it it can be tricky. You're you're kind of do big big projects that need to pay off at the end, right? And if they don't, then it's like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> there's no like, there's no wiggle room for for levels of failure, right? So, it's a it's a lot of banding together. It's a lot of camaraderie, and it's just it's just I haven't really had a negative experience with with most of the people that we've talked to or or worked with in in the history of what we've done. And we've talked to a lot of studios, so it's all been good. Definitely, man. I, and I think def with uh, the current landscape of uh, video game development, I think with a lot of um, IPs that have been coming out, it's um, I, I kind of feel like it's a, a bit harder to stand out now as mm-hmm. opposed to like the 90s or the early yeah. 2000s. Like, it's... Or, oh, go ahead. No, no, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 that, that was it. <laughs> that was the extent. Uh, um, Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, there's a whole bunch of like you can go and look it up on the internet about how many more games are getting released like now than there were like even say f- when Runbow came out like even like four years ago mm-hmm. right four or five years ago um, it's like ten times the amount just in those time just because uh, game engines are now you know free for the most part mm-hmm. uh, they're way easier to work with they streamline a whole bunch of different things so if you have like a basic programming knowledge you can put together basic games and like that's what's happening is there's a lot of people like trying their hand at it and they're just like a huge amount of people flooding the marketplace with games and stuff, which is great. Um, ish for the most part, unless it's kind of like those, uh, you know, the games that are clearly just like flipped assets or whatnot, or like you, they're not putting in the time and effort that you, you would expect. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's there's a bunch of those. Um, (laughs) and I, I don't want anybody to stop trying. It's just like, that's just what they are at the time. Um, but it's definitely like having to think about not only like how do you make a good game, which is mm-hmm. a big problem or not a big problem, but like a big ask in itself. Like all the different components have to be syncing up. All the polish has to be there. Mm-hmm. A- animations and sounds and design and systems and blah, blah, blah. They all have to be working well to really make a good game and then on top of that you have to get people to care about your game and you have to get people to know about your game um and you have to give them a reason to care and it's not just like oh we made just like we made another one of these it's like oh we made another like military shooter that's set in world war ii it's like okay there's like 15 of those man like you gotta (laughs) do something else it's like so that becomes uh especially with this the project that we're working on now actually which is it's just interesting to see how much of like as a studio, we've agreed that like it's we can we're confident that we can make a like a good a decent game. I would say, mm-hmm. and now it's like okay, but we can do better at marketing. We can do better at getting people more interested earlier on, um, in kind of like taking after what we see some of the other studios doing, um, like for instance, like Hollow Knights or Shovel Knight or um, like those games that kind of do a Kickstarter and then just roll out a whole bunch of like updates and whatnot as they go. It just seems to be one of the ways to do it but mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of different strategies like some people just cold drop a game out of nowhere and people are like oh has anyone seen this gem and like the fact that there's no marketing becomes a marketing of its own like there's just <laughs> a thousand <laughs> different ways for people to approach this so it's interesting to me because it's it's become such a focus such a 
such a thing that we also now have to worry about that it's really because of the landscape because there's so many games launching it's really interesting so it's, it's always fun to have these new problems <laughs> you know and I, I like the way you broke that down because it, it it really like even though it's it's a challenge i think and I, and, and correct me if i'm wrong i'm getting the impression that you like the challenge that it keeps pushing mm. you forward to do more and more and more yeah that's one of the things that um, I mean, initially attracted me to to making games, not just like playing them, but actually creating them. And one of the things that I think, I mean, as we spoke about like the civil engineering wasn't really doing for me, mm-hmm. is that it it felt kind of figured out. You know what I mean? Like humans have been building things for pff, forever, like thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And we got pretty good at it. Um, and I don't want to demean the industry at all. Like it's a super super prestigious thing, and like all the respect to people that do a civil instructional engineering. But for me, it was like I wanted to do make nothing make something from nothing and like experience challenges that are completely unique to like what other people would have experienced like mm-hmm. there was no roadmap for making a nine player uh local multiplayer game where the core mechanic is racing and punching like that there's no one that's like oh here's how you do that like just here the are the steps you go and you do this this and this and then once those are done you're good you have your you have your the thing that no one's ever made before <laughs> it's like so <laughs> that's one of the parts that i find really interesting is just having problems that maybe haven't really existed in this context before and having to figure it out yourself. Uh, That being said, there are times where I wish we had some more experience on the team. Like as we all started at the same time, roughly, I think actually I might have the most experience on the team, but only because I had like two, two co-op jobs doing it, but that's it. Like that's the most I have (laughs) on anyone at the studio. So we're all pretty, like we've all been learning and growing together. Mm -hmm. And there are times where I'm like, I really wish we could just have some, professional like some veteran of the industry come with like 20 years of experience and be like all right just do this guys it'll save you way like just just do this one thing so (laughs) that's one thing but it is really fun to like have to adapt so often though stressful it is also fun (laughs) and and what what's the team like at 13 a.m games like uh you give us like a rundown of like people you work with um like like kind of like who they are or like how the atmosphere in the office is both. or both. both. Okay. <laughs> um, so, Oh man. Yeah. Uh, we have, so there's me, I do, uh, I do lead design stuff, which means, uh, like levels, game systems, mm-hmm. uh, core game systems like combat or upgrades or, um, level design, basic stuff. And then I also do a bunch of level design. So in something like double cross, I ended up, I made, I made all of Gutopia, I made all of uh, the Thunderdome, and I made all, uh, well, minus the boss fights, because that was somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, like, the beginning, the tutorial and the, and the outro stuff. Um, so that's kind of what I do. And then on top of that, I do our finances, because I'm technically the CFO, but I think that's just because I can work with Excel. Um, <laughs> that's how I got that job. Um, You're going to have to teach me ha- I suck with Excel. Daily. <laughs> Uh, then there's Unai, who is our narrative and uh, technical. Uh, was he technical director, or is he just he's narrative director and, and one of our programmers? I think he's. Um, so he wrote all the story for Double Cross and things like that, and he programmed a bunch of the systems and whatnot for Rumbo. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's from Spain or Basque country. He'll get mad at me if I call him Spanish. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, no, he's a, he's a good guy. Uh, and then there's Justin, who does level design um, and some other design work when when needed mm-hmm. uh he's kind of my my co 
co-partner when it comes to just making all the content, like the levels for the games. Um, then there's Alex, who's our CEO and creative lead from project to project. So he oversees kind of everything, make sure that all the different cogs are spinning the way they should and all the different disciplines are aware of what each is other doing mm-hmm. uh, creatively, not, not like timelines and deadlines. That's somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he also goes out and like rings up new business and tries to get us other gigs and other projects and whatnot. Nice. And there's, yeah, and uh, I mean, I help with, uh, what is it? I end up writing a bunch of proposals. Him and I and our producer put together all of our proposals for all the various grants and whatnot that's out here and pitches. Um, and there's Steph. She does production, um, keeps us all on task, and she she's a godsend. <laughs> she, <laughs> she keeps all of the, the basically all the wheels on as we go forward, mm-hmm. um, and keeps us organized. <clears throat> And we have Marty, who is a basically an AI. Is the best way to describe him. He is just a computer in human form. <laughs> uh, we, we joke that he needs uh, software updates every now and then. Like he's just he's more machine than man, but he's a, he's a really good guy. He's a really great programmer, um, and he is a wizard of machinery. And then there's Mike, who is our uh, one of our hires. Actually, Mike and Steph are both uh, the employees of the mm-hmm. company. They're, the rest of us all are owners, which is a weird dynamic in its own right, because it's weird to have seven owners at the company and two employees, which is not a normal thing. Um, but he's great. He's a programmer. He does. Uh, well, he originally hired on to do ports and whatnot, uh, but he's t- really taken to UIs and things, because I think we made him do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, then there's the art team, which is Takashi, Sean, and Mike. Mm-hmm. And Takashi's the art director. He's responsible for like character designs and animations and whatnot. Uh, Sean did all of the uh, world art and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then Mike helps Taka with animations and whatnot and other things. They kind of like all help each other out. And they're on the far side of the office, so I'm not really. I've kind of fallen out with what they do day to day now. Um, but in general, like it's just the great group of guys. Um, we really feed off of each other really well i haven't worked with a group like this before where it's just like so on the same page about the majority of things obviously there's friction because we're working in a creative industry and people have ideas and stuff so working through how do we work through that is very important um but it's not it's been it's, it's a really great place i love working there and i wouldn't have it any other way cool. well that was a ramble that was <laughs> not a ramble what are you talking about <laughs> that's good I mean, uh, I don't know. We we play uh, we pull pranks on each other all the time. We play Smash Bros. at lunch almost every day now, with the new one out. Um, and we just basically take the piss out of each other all the time. It's great. <laughs> oh man! So I mean, you know, speaking of Smash, are, is mm. there any possibility uh, some of your oh. characters might be? I know you probably can't talk about it. I I mean, no, I I mean I can't because there's nothing to talk about. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't think that's going to be a thing for, for Rambo or not. I don't think we uh, are quite there yet in terms of, like, clout, I guess you could say, or, like, pedigree or prestigious. Like, I don't I don't think we're at the same page. Like, Shovel Knight, for instance, was a way bigger game than Rambo, and it just got a trophy, you know? So that's kind of, like, where the bar is set. Um, and I don't think, like, it would be an honor. It would be amazing. Like, I'd love to see, like, Hugh or Val or Shichira in Smash Bros., and I'd love to see, like, a rumbo themed level where stuff was disappearing and reappearing mm-hmm. but i don't i don't i'm not hoping like i'm not keeping my hopes up i don't think that's going to be a reasonable thing you never know i mean you, you know, never Sha- know shantae got in there so that's true that's true yeah you know and back to what i said you know maybe maybe we should just send an email and ask 
Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Oh, man. You know, so uh, speaking of Rumbo, like, it's a super popular series. Like like I said before, many consider it a cult classic. <laughs> Are you surprised at, like, the level of success that it's achieved over the last few years? Uh, yeah. Yeah, very much so. Um, I mean, it's always surprising um, how, how, how it's done and how much people have really enjoyed it. Because, like, for, for me at least... Uh, it's it's tough to look at that game and and just see it for all of its good things because it was our first real like real title we had made a couple small things in you know while while we're going through the college program but this was like our first real game where we actually dedicated all this time and effort and and whatnot into it and as because of it's because it's my first kind of like game like that it's tough to look at it and not just see all the faults in it you Mm -hmm. know imagine you're like a carpenter and you build a table, and it's the first table you've ever built. And then, like, five years later, you go back and look at that table, you're going to be like, what the hell was I doing? Okay. <laughs> There's so many things you could have done differently, right? So it's it's tough for me, but I love seeing everybody's reaction to it. And I think that, we obviously, we did we hit something there that, that people were looking for, that, that people enjoy. Um, and I'm really happy to have done that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it always takes me away when people are like, fan art, and like, oh, like we want to do a tournament, or like, oh, my... my like somebody told me that their sons put like, like he would, he almost said like hundreds of hours into the game, and I was like, how? I was like, how could you? That's awesome, but like, what? That's crazy to me. So, it's super humbling to see that, and it it kind of pushes me to like, if everyone's so jazzed about that, it's like, I can do better than that now, and I just want to do that, and I feel like Double Cross is a step towards that, but I even even with Double Cross, it's 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 stuff not to be critical of your own stuff. <laughs> it's is really hard not to, yeah. uh, and I, I think that as you know, as a, a creator and artist, it's it's that's that's always a challenge. Like people can be like, "Oh man, this is the most amazing thing ever," and you're over here like, uh, mm. "That was off. I could have done better on that." You know, <laughs> uh, it, it, you know, it's it's that's just that that's the part that I think a lot of people don't realize. And it's like if if to to relate it to everyday people, there's something in their personal life that they're really good at and they probably you know, other people would praise it and then they're nitpicking it. For for those yeah. of you listening and watching, uh, <laughs> you know, that there's always something like that. <laughs> always. And it's it's especially true because well, I mean, we worked on Runbo uh I would say probably for about a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, give or take. There was some time at the beginning, time at the end. Um, but, like, the core release of Rumbo was about a year of development. Mm-hmm. Um, and during that whole year, you're just sitting there making stuff and critiquing it. That's all you're doing for the entire year. You're playing it, you're adding to it, and you're critiquing it. So, like, things, like, whatever level people are playing, they're like, oh, this level's great, thank you so much. It's like, yeah, I'm really glad Do you hear that. I've played that level 60 times and I've like made tweaks on it for like three days straight. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> things like that, that like that you won't like, I can't, I can't appreciate it. Like, like they will obviously like, there's just no way. Cause it's just, you're so close to it and you've just spent so much time with it. Like I have thousands, probably not, well, maybe not thousands, but like over a thousand hours in double cross, just playing it. Boy, we're like, I don't even have to like, think about things anymore when i play you just kind of like go on autopilot because <laughs> there's not enough game there for thousands of hours you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's uh it's it's always an interesting experience to see the difference between what you think of something and like how people are perceiving it that's always super great definitely man 
Unless it's negative, but then you know something to learn about that. You know, and again, I want to thank you guys for allowing me the opportunity to uh, get an early copy and review Double Cross mm. on this Switch. My review, actually, I think by the time this uh, podcast is up, it should be out already. But I hope this, it's good. <laughs> this, this game, you know, and I don't, I, I, I'm not like when it comes to reviewing games. I, mm. I've taken the Andrew Rayner approach. Like I look at it objectively. And right. I've seen a lot of you know other content creators, other YouTubers, other journalists that can be ultra critical to the point where anything mm. positive, it's like it's just white noise. Like there's no way mm. you can even capture the positiveness of a game because they spent like 20 minutes or so bashing it. Mm. And I've, I've I watched some of those. You know, <laughs> you know, like I, and I try not to take that approach because I, I mm. think for me, you know, growing up as a gamer. I can see good in, in every game, even games that are horrible. But right. this one, like, I had literally no complaints other than I want a wow. sequel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You know, like, it literally, like, in, in you know, not, I'm not trying to pander anything to you. Mm. Like, I'm being serious. Like, as I was playing it, I'm like, there's nothing wrong. Like, I can't think of anything wrong. Like, of course, there's that one level I kept dying on in the arcade where you've got to use a, the, the sling mechanic to... Mechanic. Oh, my God. I kept dying, and so, I, was, I was getting mad, and I'm like, okay, this is an old-school challenge. I love it. Yeah, there's... There's, there's like... So, I, when I was making that, the idea was to just make these infinite kind of mini-games, right? Mm-hmm. And it was... Because we, we work on a grid, kind of speak right so the mm-hmm. game is broken up into game units like unity units basically mm-hmm. and we work on a 0.25 grid <clears throat> mm-hmm. so you have like a quarter of a unit and the gap that i had to make for that it it was in this weird spot where if i made it bigger mm-hmm. it became trivial and if i made it a little too small like it became impossible so like i tried to find this middle ground but like i've been watching people's plays of that level and just watching people stream it and whatnot and like based on what you just told me it's a little it's a little frustrating and i can understand that it's a little tight that being said uh in that specific thing the record in the studio i think is like 171 barriers Mm -hmm. which is insane (laughs) (laughs) it's not my record either i was blown away when someone told me they did that i was like there's no way (laughs) (laughs) But it's things like that, right? Like, so I spent probably four or five days just making arcade engine. I don't know more than four or five days making arcade engine, or way more than four or five days. But like maybe two, three days just on that that one instance of that thing that you just called out. And it's just like I can't. It's it's so hard to like predict how people are going to experience because I've seen people fly through it their first try and be like, oh, that was too easy. And then I've seen people like really hit the wall with it and go like, oh, this is impossible. I'm like, ah, like, <laughs> ah, <laughs> there's no, you can't please everyone. No, but it, it, it really took me back to, uh, the, you know, the NES and Super NES era of gaming when I, basically it was hard and you just, you figured out the pattern and you just adjusted on the fly. Right. And so oh, yeah. I, I appreciate that aspect of it. Like, that took me back because yeah. a lot of games nowadays are, they hold your hand on a lot of things. And that mm. did not hold my hand. And I'm, I'm no. very grateful. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was like the old school kind of like design con- like design methodology back then was, A, they were still kind of coming out of making it for like cabinets, like mm. arcade cabinets where they want you to die because then they get more money. <laughs> <laughs> so there was like 
and as a kind of direct result from that, it's like those games teach by failure. Like mm-hmm. you, you will not be able to beat things your first try unless you're some sort of superhuman because you have no idea what the hell it's about to do. And then it does it, and you go, oh. And then the next time you get there, you're like, hi, I know what you're going to do this time. And then you beat it. And that's kind of like like old Mega Man games do that. Yeah. Like I remember uh, the guys were kind of chirping me because I hadn't played the original Mega Man stuff yet. Um, and so they sat me down in the office and made me play it. And I played through. Oh, I'm going to get it wrong. I think it was the fire guy with the disappearing and reappearing platforms like Rumbo. Oh, God. But there's no telegraph. Yeah. There's, there's nothing. None. No warning whatsoever. So the platforms just disappear. Or reappear, and you just have to know where they're going to be, and you don't know until you've played it. So I was just they're getting like super frustrated, and they're just dying laughing at me. They're like, you made something simple. I'm like, no, no, we put telegraphs in. <laughs> like, uh, that's just fun little things like that. Oh, uh, man. That, that kids, or not kids these days, I'm going to sound like an old man if I say that, but like gamers in this this generation of games like have kind of shied away, which I'm I'm kind of thankful for. Like, there are games that aren't super hold it like they've they're games that have got it right like there's this nice middle ground between hand holdy and crushy without you ever getting to experience the thing until you get crushed by it mm-hmm. and then i think like for instance we were talking about breath of the wild i think breath of the wild does that really well yeah there's things like it teaches you some basic stuff you get off the plateau and it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> there are parts of that game where you just you just get destroyed until you figure it out and it's like there are moments where you're rewarded for like really thinking through a problem it's like that's that's what i really like to see at least um, so I also wanted to ask you too, like, since there has been the collaboration of Shante and Runbo, like, how did that come about? Did your team approach Matt Lozan and Wayford, or how did that? Um, so they were one of the, um, kind of last studios to kind of work that arrangement out with, uh, guest characters. That's obviously why Shantae's like a DLC, um, cause she wasn't part of the game at the beginning when we originally launched. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think we approached Matt after getting all of the, uh, or we approached somebody Wayne Ford and then were directed to Matt um, after successfully getting kind of the rest of the cast together. Mm-hmm. So like getting Shovel Knight, and like Scram Kitty, Guacamelee guys, blah, 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 like all, all of those guest characters. Mm-hmm. Um, after we got all those, it was kind of like, oh, and like after the game came out and it was like, oh, then, then like Shantae became a discussion and it was, uh, it was really cool. And they're like super awesome to work with. I mean, they're, they're particular about Shantae, which is good. They, they really care about how Shantae is represented and, and things going forward. So mm-hmm. it was a, uh, it was a fun challenge to kind of work through to make sure that like our art style was being recognized, but also their desires for the character were still being, uh, held up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really cool. Um, yeah, that's, that's basically how that came about. Kind of like reaching out after, um, all the other things had been kind of nailed down. Cool, cool. That makes sense. And, you know, um, going back to, like, Double Cross, of course I've been praising this game a lot, <laughs> this this podcast, and uh, I don't care if the audience is getting sick of it, you need to go out and play it. I did a giveaway. <laughs> uh, I gave away uh, two uh, Steam codes for the game, because it's just phenomenal. I was shocked. Um during uh i think my live stream i gave away two codes and it's mm-hmm. I, I was people came through on twitch because okay I'll, I'll tell you this twitch is an interesting beast because mm-hmm. when before i, I want to say last year before i redid my twitch layout and everything i was lucky if i got zero like one person watching 
Right. So it's like, okay, if I if I stream on YouTube, then I can get anywhere from probably 10 or sometimes even 100 people watching. Wow. Uh, when I stream Double Cross, it got up to, like, over 200 people. Like Really? 200, I think. Wow. I hit 198 <laughs> at one point, Damn. and then when I looked again, it was 230. Then it went up to 258, and I think it peaked at 260-something. Wow. And was this I was, on YouTube or Twitch? It was on Twitch. Twitch. And I yeah. was like, I, I was... I was wow. shocked. I'm like, wait, what? Got the shocking. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, that's when I, I decided to do the giveaway, and uh, and people came through for it. I was like, wow, this wow. is this is this is really amazing. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, we had, uh, I mean, the studio. There were some people Twitch streaming during the day. Uh, what's it? The the mighty Ruhan and ah, uh, oh God, I'm gonna get his something. Something Sin, some German guy. I'm going to forget their names. I'm really sorry if you're hearing this, um, but thank you. Uh, <laughs> and, but they were twitching during the like the workday, and I think a large part of their audience was actually just people in our studio watching them. <laughs> and I'm not sure how it registers different uh, different viewers from the same IP. I'm assuming it doesn't. Um, but there were about you know, eight or nine of our computers were all <laughs> watching these people. So to hear that you were – and they were at like five, six viewers or something I think was – was the peak I saw, or ten maybe, mm-hmm. and I was pretty happy about that, or like interested to see that. But two hundred and fifty, like wow, <laughs> I did not know that was happening. I would have tuned in for sure. Like, That's I, crazy. I, it's, and it's 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 it was insane. Like I've never seen that happen before. And I was wondering, I'm like, is it is it the layout I selected? Is it the <laughs> tags? Like what 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 got it? You know that much exposure, and, and I had right. people resharing it. I had a lot of people saying, yo, this. This is this convinced me to buy the game, and I was like, "Okay, I I, I did a good job." <laughs> well, thank you. Really appreciate all that. <laughs> like That's even great. even now, like I'm looking at uh, the views because I streamed it two days ago. Mm. Um, oh wow, YouTube picked the uh, it peaked at 830 views in the first day. What? <laughs> wow. That's crazy. Okay, I, I will be streaming that some more then. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Please please do. <laughs> I, I have a vested interest in this. <laughs> so, um, let's see. Wow. Uh, you know, with, with, with Double Cross, like, it, mm. it being such an amazing game. Thank you. Uh, like, creating a new IP, like, creating that IP, like, what were some of the things that... Uh, inspired you with the mechanics uh was it because you know you've got a lot of things you know you got the level progression you got mm-hmm. the upgradium system you got mm-hmm. brawler aspects with emphasis on combos and juggling you got the proton slinger with the slingshot mechanics you got the mm-hmm. wall jumps wall clinging and and, and and uh sliding down from like Mega Man x and the right. Mega Man zero series like there's so much to say about how great this game plays but like in your own words, like what helped you and your team to narrow down like what would be the core gameplay mechanics of it? So I would actually just like first like just to, to preface all this, I would think that if I said um, that we had narrowed it down, people at the studio would just disagree with me, <laughs> and I would kind of disagree too because it, it does feel like there's a like there is a lot going on, um, which is one of the actually one of the criticisms we received as well. So really? that's always interesting. Yeah, that's that's definitely one of the things we've we've heard. 
Um, which I think there, there's merit to that too. As much yeah. as like some people really like this combination, there's some people that that don't. Um, but um, it's it's hard to pinpoint exactly how we did all that. I mean, I can t- I'll talk about the sling mechanic first, and then mm-hmm. I'll kind of try to get into the other ones. But okay. the game actually started um, much differently. I actually programmed the original prototype back in January of twenty six. No, twenty seventeen. Okay. Yeah, January 2017. And it was a game about magnets more than anything else. And you were this little dude and you could throw out two different magnets and when they hit stuff, they would give it like a polarity. Mm-hmm. And then you yourself could hold these magnets if you wanted to. So you could throw one out and keep one and then like you you would polarize, so to speak. So you could push yourself, pull yourself. You could pull things, push things together. Um, and we were playing around with it and like that's kind of where the game started. That was like when we pitched all of our ideas, that was the one that people were like, oh, there's something there. So we started working on it, and um, one of the things that we ended up realizing was like this comp, like it was a really interesting mechanic, but it was a lot. There was a lot of uh, it was almost like too much to make one game about, if that makes sense. Like it was almost too um, too intricate, or like there was there was too many steps that we think like the, maybe the the average or like average player would probably try to pick it up and it'd be like way too complicated for them so mm. we kind of toned it back and we're basically trying to reduce like well, what is really fun about this and kind of pinpoint that um one of the things that kind of stuck around was like this idea of like slowing and like slowing time to kind of land your shots mm-hmm. was something that we really enjoyed like there's some really nice organic feeling to that um and also this idea of like player movement so like pulling yourself towards things was it was a big one so mm. eventually we kind of sat down and said okay if to simplify design away from like having all these intricate player mechanics and like offloading onto the level so to speak mm-hmm. how, how could we what what could we do so we kind of adjusted the mechanic to be the first bits of what you would see the kind of the proton slinger being now which is just this time slows you aim and you pull yourself and tether towards it kind of like spider-man-esque um and from there with that kind of solidified we um began coming up with level design gimmicks and whatnot that would kind of play around it mm-hmm. um this while this was also happening we were also playing around with the idea of non-linearity kind mm-hmm. of in in levels because we wanted to give the player some agency and come up with uh i think inspired by breath of the wild actually because this was around that time we we saw how that game just kind of let you do whatever yeah and really liked it and we were actually talking about like how can we how can we do that? How how can we do that in like a platformer? How can we give the player this much agency without being just like a Metroidvania, which kind of tries to do that, but Metroidvanias for the most part are actually quite linear when you break them down because there's usually only a couple ways to actually beat them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we wanted to make something that was truly kind of like non-linear, and we originally started with like not only could you pick the nine levels at the beginning, but you could also go and just fight the bosses if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. And obviously like we had to come up with mechanics and build like, okay, but if you go and do the three, the other three levels first, like maybe the boss gets easier. And so, um, we played around with that, eventually settling on play the three levels, do the investigation. And then once you finish that, you can actually unlock the boss spoilers for people that haven't played. That's kind of the, that's you, you would have figured that out. That's not a big yeah. one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so that's kind of like how those two systems kind of come together. And then because of the nature of doing nonlinear design mm-hmm. uh, in levels, you can't really, because they can pick any of the nine levels in mm-hmm. any order, there's 
you cannot assume that they've played any other level before playing the one that they're about to play, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So each level is a fresh start. Could be a fresh start. Could be the first level that they pick. Um, And in order to make it, like, actually be nonlinear, that actually had to be embraced. Like, you couldn't be like, well, this level's way harder, and if they pick it first, they're just going to die. And, -hmm. like, that's what we intended. So instead, like... We'll, we'll encourage them through failure to go and find the actual level they should start with. No, no, no. We actually wanted it so that you could start wherever you wanted. Um, obviously, there's degrees of difficulty that come with mechanics that like we tried to control. But I think for the most part, if you wanted to, you could pick any level and reasonably get through it. I don't think there's any level that's hard stop, way more difficult than other ones. Besides maybe Arcade, <laughs> the thing you were talking about before. <laughs> besides that. Um, I think the the main problem for that is that that was the first arcade game that you touch. But anyway, that's besides the point. Um, it, it's still great, people. Still, <laughs> even with the challenge, there's a lot of variety in the arcade level. Like a yeah. lot of variety. I love it. Anyway, sorry. I'm sorry. I, no I, worries, I interrupted. No <laughs> um, so like each level is kind of like its own self-contained uh, thing, right? So mm-hmm. you have to introduce the mechanics to the player in a way that makes sense. Then you have to escalate them. Like, you know, classic design stuff. You show them A. Then you show them B, then you show them A, B, then you show them A, B, but more difficult. Like kind of like the golden golden standard of how to do things, how to teach a player organically. Mm-hmm. So each level had their own little like we tried to come up with two mechanics for each level, two to three, and like combine them in this in this way. Um, and then that's the levels form that way. What other systems? Combat um, originally was going to be much more simplistic like we had it almost like mario style where you could like bounce off people's heads Mm -hmm. and that would do damage um but uh, alex was very insistent that we should have like a like a deeper than normal kind of like combat system like more than like shantae for example which is Mm -hmm. like you just flip your hair and hit stuff um and a little more than like mario which is booping people so we looked at something like guacamelee for for inspiration or like um it's, is it called Ace Combat? I keep referencing it, but this is this really fun, really, really good combat game that you can get on Steam that Alex was showing everybody and, and like some other retro games that, that he had played. And I, he, I was going to ask like if it's inspired by like Double Dragon or even uh, there's a just really good uh, brawler on uh, Steam called Fight and Rage. If you love Double Dragon, Final Fight, Streets of Rage, this game is amazing. Yeah, and that's one of the one of the big strengths of, of having Alex on the team is that he's played more games than probably any other person I know. Mm-hmm. He's just he's just played a whole bunch. Um, and so it, it's always interesting. And they're usually old games, like older games that most mm-hmm. people wouldn't play. Um, and so it's really good to pull those up references. But there was this insistence that like there should be a kind of combat system. So we were working it out, and that was probably the most iterated on of mm-hmm. the three things I've mentioned so far. So like it started out as something way more complicated, then we pulled it back a bit, then we added some depth, then we pulled back a bit more. And I think where we settled on now is kind of like the best version. I still think there's there's some things we could have done to improve it. Um, and there were things that got chopped, which I think looking back would have, I think maybe we had a bit of, uh, we should have reprioritized there. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously there's always going to be things like that whenever you're done working on a project for like a year and a half. But um, uh, <laughs> like we had, for instance, there were some combat abilities that actually used the tether more than it does now, more than just picking up and throwing. Like you could actually grab somebody and like spin them around mm-hmm. and enemies used to be like, if you did enough damage to them, you could actually then grab them. But then it became this, like we, we had some, some technical issues and some basically just, uh, you know, time and time 
basically got away with us. <laughs> we were a little little too much uh, scope for for what we had. So some things had to obviously get cut. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of like where these ideas kind of started from and, and how they morphed into where they are now. Um, the same can be said with the investigation system. Mm-hmm. It was originally going to be um, a bit more involved, but we were worried that because it was tied to gameplay progression that we would lose people and we didn't want to necessarily lose people on such a core system mm-hmm. so we made it so that you couldn't really miss the secrets you know what i mean like but there's still an element of having to figure it out tied mm-hmm. to it it's not just given to you um in retrospect again this is another thing where like when you were asking me like looking back at rumbo this is me now looking back at double cross i think there was there would probably be a little little more we could have done with that system as well, mm-hmm. but again, time, budget, and not seeing it at the time is is definitely contributing to why we didn't. But um, yeah, I mean that's uh, that's as much as I'll talk about those things. I think <laughs> it's a lot to unpack there. Hey, we we appreciate it on the show. Like we we love to get into the nitty gritty of uh, how things work so i greatly appreciate it this this is giving me a new uh perspective and paradigm on mm. on what goes into like the mechanics of a game the design and everything like i i really appreciate it thank you thank it, you for that it's a it's a lot of iteration it's, <laughs> a, it's a lot of playing something and being either how do i make that better or how do i stop this bad bad not fun thing from happening mm. you know like it's, it's a lot of that okay all right, you know, and and we're we're down to like the last uh, three questions, and I I actually don't even want to stop talking, but anyway, <laughs> for the sake of time and respect to your time as well, um, so we're gonna go ahead and get into the last couple questions. Uh, so with like given how successful Double Cross has been in just three, you know, the last week or the last three to four days, you could say, right. Um, are we going to see like a future title? Will this become a series? You know, I, I've said before, like I personally would love to see a Shantae double cross collab. Right. <laughs> it'd be awesome. I mean, given, you know, you got the whole concept of the multiple earths and the multiverse plot. So there's so much creative freedom that you have. Like, right. what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, for us, uh, I mean, the game, it's still it's still fresh launch, so um, we're waiting to see exactly what kind of numbers it's moving, like how how much of a success we're thinking it's going to be. Because mm-hmm. uh, I mean that it is a big part of being an indie studio that's kind of like making new IPs and, and trying these things. Out. We are beholden to how these things perform, mm-hmm. and especially like if if it's not well received, which I, I'm I'm kind of seeing that it's not going to be that case. But if it is for whatever reason, uh, you don't want to like overcommit to things, but there's definitely an interest as as there is kind of with Rumbo to go back to the games that we had made and and make a sequel or or talk about making a sequel and seeing what kind of what what we could do and and what we could do to make the game not just like the same but more but mm-hmm. like something you know genuinely move the sequel kind of like forward um so depending on how it does and what kind of like once um i don't know what to call it but there's like this general feeling once you're done working on a project for like a year and a half Mm -hmm. and you start on a different project it just feels way better than starting a different version of that same project you know what i mean so it's kind of like a palate cleanser Mm -hmm. like when we launched rumbo nobody wanted to make another rumbo 
like no everyone's like no everyone's done with this game like we need to work on something else we've been working <laughs> on this for too much but now like if i were to go and not talk to the guys at the studio, people are like you know like we're open to the idea like actually i think there's a lot of cool things we could do and it's like it doesn't like that that kind of has to wear off like the, the the project fatigue almost has to wear off mm-hmm. um personally like for all the reasons you're saying like it's definitely ripe for this kind of thing i mean we've said that where you know a sequel could be as easy as oh three new dimensions and a new problem antagonist and boom like you're in like there's not a whole lot like we've we've really left that open for mm-hmm. this opportunity so and i and i think we'd be foolish if if yeah. if there is such a good reaction right so so it's definitely something that that's on the on the table but it's there's a whole bunch of constraints and and things that would you know have to be checked off before work on it would really start okay if that if that uh, if that all makes sense (laughs) i'm trying to be like as non-committal but as explanatory as i can be (laughs) hey it works for me (laughs) (laughs) um so like are there any other projects in the works that you're allowed to speak on Eh, there are but i'm not allowed to speak about them yet unfortunately um though i do think that there'll be something soon like i don't think because i think we kept double cross really close to our chest for a long period of time like we were working on it for a while and no one knew what it was or what was going on until a bit uh closer to the end of it but i think with this one we're going to be a little more open i'm not promising anything or committing to anything because obviously things can change uh at a whim's notice but uh I think the idea with this one would be to try to be a little more open with okay. uh, the actual development. So keep your ears tuned if you're interested, but I'm I'm not sure. <laughs> I can say more than that. <laughs> All right. And uh, I guess the last question is, like, what advice would you give to our audience here that would be interested in getting into video game design and the gaming industry as a whole? Because I don't yeah. think there's a set path. Well, it's not really a set path in much of anything outside of yeah. Medical. Well, I mean, like a lawyer, you you go and you go and you go to university for it, and then you go and write the bar, and then you're a lawyer. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like there are like some of them there is, but for this one, like um, I don't know, it's it's tricky to say. Like it depends largely on what type of person you are yourself. Like for mm-hmm. instance, I knew um, that if I wanted to do this, I had to commit to doing it. I had to go and like basically. Uh, submerge myself in like-minded people in the industry like like go in full ham and and see if it's something because i'm not the type of person to um kind of do this on my own like a lot of the advice out there is like oh just start making games on your own free time and see if you like it mm-hmm. and that works for some people that you know can do that can like write out plan like plan goals and and say i'm gonna work on this project for this amount of time and really see if i get into it or if they have enough free time that they can just do that full time and see how it goes but mm-hmm. for people that need to be surrounded by other people to really kind of like get going i would recommend like a college program or something like that to see how it is to to get some contacts in the industry to meet other like-minded people because mm-hmm. the other big thing about the games industry is that it's extremely collaborative like mm-hmm. no one like there are obviously there are people that solo develop and whatnot but the majority of games are made by big teams of people that all have to communicate and work together mm-hmm. and all fill each other's gaps in terms of like skill sets mm-hmm. so it's definitely good to like get into that um you don't have to do a college program i mean here in toronto there are several events where are like weekly monthly things where you can go and meet people like it's like little game industry meetup mm-hmm. um obviously you know something like that uh if you just go around 
bugging all the developers about like getting a job and whatnot, you're going to get a little bit of a cold shoulder because most of them don't want to talk about work when they're there. <laughs> they're just there to like <laughs> talk about their friends. But it's one way to do it. It's one way to meet people. Um, and then, I mean, the advice of just making games holds true. I mean, there is a large, a very, very, very big difference between, oh, I really enjoy playing games and, oh, I really enjoy making them. Like It's a, it's a very, very, very big difference between enjoying the final product and actually getting it to be that, to be the final product itself. They're completely different skills and completely different uh, kind of, uh, what's it called? Skills. Uh, skill set, yeah, sure. I said that twice. I couldn't think of the second one. Um, but uh, so if you, if you can, I would suggest making games. Going to a game jam would be a great one too. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's so many different avenues to get into gaming. Like you can go... Anything from like visual arts to sound design to game design to even like business things or accountants or or what have you. Like, if you just want to work in the industry, there's oh, tons and tons of different ways you can do that, and tons of different kind of professions and skills that you can pursue to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, uh, for game design in particular, I would say you have to really, really want to do game design. Mm-hmm. You have to have played a lot of games. Um, and you need to kind of learn about or understand kind of like a creative process that works for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, yeah, I mean, as, as vague as I can be while trying to help. <laughs> it, it takes it takes a lot of like looking at, at exactly how you learn and how you think you would be able to do it. There's no golden rule for it. Mm-hmm. And the games, like the college programs and whatnot, are also filled with people that love playing games but don't, actually want to make them but they're there anyway because they think this is how they do it so don't be one of those people either like you really need to think about it because it is a very different skill set it's like the difference between like i like sitting on chairs to i like being a carpenter and making them like it, yeah. it is a big difference <laughs> if that that event that example was a bit too too uh trimmed down maybe but <laughs> i think everybody likes sitting in chairs <laughs> <I take> <laughs> Well, um, when are are we going to see you out here in Hawaii? Oh, man. Uh, I'd love to go, but, uh, well, that depends. A lot of things are tied to how well this does, like uh, how much vacation I'm going to (laughs) take. But, uh, yeah, I I think Hawaii is definitely on a stopping block. I think that'd be great to go out there. Uh, One of uh, of the guys we used to work with, who one of the founders of the company, uh, he loved Hawaii. He actually was out there, I think, twice while we were working because he loved scuba diving and whatnot, and he mm-hmm. was just glowing about it. So it's definitely on my list of places to go. Definitely, man. Uh, like I said, if you ever come out here, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the locations of all the food places because, uh, yeah, it's sounds but, great. It's kind of why I don't cook anymore because I'm like, <laughs> like. My, my like, why would I do it when they do it so much better? Right? I can just go and get this, and I don't have to spend a lot of money, and it's like, it's so delicious. Like, oh, <laughs> my, my goodness. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm getting hungry. Clearly, I'm getting hungry right now. It's about that time. Yeah. It is. <laughs> well, and, and I got one last thing to say. I lied. I have one extra question for you. One oh, no. last question. So, did you have fun? Yeah. Always. <laughs> That's always the goal. That's always the goal is to have fun. All right, all right. And um, Tom, again, like, where can people find you? 
Uh, I'm a bit of a recluse when it comes to social media stuff, so I'm I don't have a Twitter, and I use Facebook once a decade. Um, <laughs> but you can find the company and all that good stuff, uh, and at 13 AM Games, uh, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and our website 13amgames.com. Um, yeah, you can find us all there, and we're usually if there's a Twitch stream and they're streaming Double Cross, I would imagine that there's at least one or two of us lurking in there. <laughs> cool, cool. So. I'd put money on it. <laughs> I'm probably going to be streaming it some more today. Uh, I actually awesome. just bought it for the Switch just because uh, I, I, as much as I would love to stream on my computer as much as I want or just play on my computer, because of constantly traveling, I just need that portability. But yeah. it's on sale, people. As of this recording, mm-hmm. it is on sale on the Switch. It is, uh, I believe, in the U.S. It's $14.99. So definitely take advantage of that. You yep. will not at all be disappointed as Casanova approved. <laughs> I love it. Love it, love it, love it. I highly recommend it. I think all my friends I've recommended to have bought it, and they're nice. singing praise of it. So Awesome. Definitely, people, go out and buy that. And if you guys enjoyed this uh, episode of the podcast, you'll be able to catch it not only on YouTube, but also on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Uh, we're coming to iHeartRadio in a couple days, couple maybe a couple, maybe a week or so. I'm not too sure. Mm. Still going through the process, uh, but we're going to be up on Sirius uh, XM Radio within wow. the next week and a half or so. So uh, we're getting out there, and it's um, awesome, I, man. Congrats. Thank you, thank you uh, again, Tom. It was a super super honor having you on the show. I enjoyed. Uh, talking with you, and uh, we 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 must we must get you on the show again. You have a friend <laughs> in Hawaii. You definitely have a friend in Hawaii. <laughs> awesome! I'm honored. Thank you so much for having me. All right, and uh, with that being said, people, we will see you on the next one. Did you enjoy this episode of the Casanova Podcast? Well, I hope you did. And if you did, please make sure you like, share, comment, and subscribe, and let us know what we can improve upon, what you liked, what you didn't like, and all that good stuff. And just make sure you always have a good time. That being said, this is your boy, Mikael Castanova, Hawaii's favorite YouTuber. I am signing out, and I'll catch you on the next episode.